there's this thing happening in the church, I think across the planet, of uh, stop finding these silly arguments and foolish, um, objectional things that, that doesn't have the heartbeat of the Lord in it. And if we spend intimate times with the Lord, we enjoy the relationship. And when I enjoy the relationship, I have to talk about it. When I have to talk about it, His love permeates throughout. Yes. And so we tell our church family the way to change nations is in intimate moments with the Lord. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. It's always a pleasure to get together with you, and today is no exception. Temperature, of course, in Memphis this morning, 21 degrees. Wind chill factor in the single digits. It was cold out there. But I was talking to a friend who just moved from Chicago, and they said they have these 30, 40 below, maybe more. I, I can't imagine. So, hey, I'll keep my Memphis weather and the occasional cold we have. We can get through this. What's wrong with us Memphians? We think we get a little cold weather and we're about to die, you know? And it's funny when the weather people on the news are talking about when it's cold, they're talking about when is it going to get warmer? And when it's warmer, they're talking about when are we going to see some cooler temperature? So, you know, we're just so fickle. Hey, but we're glad you're here today, whether it be cold or warm. Our hearts are warm. Glad you're here. Today, I have a friend that stopped by, Ryan Mullins. Ryan is the pastor of Salem, Memphis, a church that started about 18 months ago. Ryan is the son of Rob Mullins, who's a pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church. So he's kind of a PK, preacher's mm-hmm, kid. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Were PK? you mischievous as a preacher's kid? Probably. I, of course, I don't view myself as that. But <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So growing up, we really lived at the church and um, not just because my dad, I loved it. I loved being in the gym and running around the building and that was at Bellevue, and Bellevue had security, and they knew me by name. <laughs> but the name that I would always give people is Tyler Newberry, who's another PK. That's right. I'd tell everybody that was him. And so when we were both getting married, I was telling him that story kind of coming clean, and he said, good, because I was telling everybody I was you. <laughs> so, so yeah, I definitely had some mischievous What background. are friends for, right? Right. So I know you weren't born here in Memphis. You were born in Texas, but you only touched that state for a couple of weeks right. before your dad got the call to be the youth pastor at Germantown Baptist mm-hmm. Church, where he was for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was there all the way through the 80s. That's where kind of I grew up. And then when Bellevue moved from downtown to out in Cordova, um, we that was our first Sunday as we joined out there. And my dad became the college pastor there, and he was the college pastor there for 17 years. And um, Dr. Rogers was an incredible man in my life. Now, you know that my mother-in-law was your dad's administrative right, assistant, right. Miss Barbara. Yep, Miss B. I was. Yep. I actually worked in the student ministry a long time alongside Miss B, and we always joked that if Miss B ever got mad, I, we, we never saw it, <laughs> yeah, right? She's right. she's sweet as honey. So, um, But, yeah, I grew up at, at Bellevue, and Dr. Rogers always used to say, life's master, mission, and mate, and that's where I met all three. Okay, now your mate and Lamont. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Lamont. That's when I first met her, when I right. was teaching youth in the youth group. So the very first time you saw Anne Lamont, where were you? What were you doing? So I have some memories of, remember, oh, what is the uh, the, the kids singing thing in elementary school? Summer Sing. Summer Sing, yeah. Yep, Summer Sing back in the day. I have memories of her doing a solo and having her hair in front of her eyes and stuff. But I, So it's one of those. We just were friends all the way through. Um, it was really cool now knowing that she's my wife. Um, um, but she was in the room when God called me in the ministry at 14 at a small little church outside of West Frankfort, Illinois, on a mission trip. And um, But then when I was about 17, I looked across the room, and all of a sudden it was, hey, there's something more here. And um, so I went up and 
We uh, started dating. We dated all the way through college and got married uh, about 20 days after I graduated and then went to seminary at Mid-America, and we've been married for 15 years. In that process, I know all of us, when we're married, you know, of course, those you got the bliss and excitement of being newlyweds. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, you get going through life and years start moving on and kids happening, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you can lose some of that connection you know or realizing the value of what you have in your spouse you know right how do you deal with things like so that? so the the thing that the lord does with us is usually puts us in a, a a time of hard things and you know the our our interaction with one another she's the backbone for me i'm the backbone for her um it just de- adds depths to our marriage um to still be playful still uh make her laugh right like that's the idea of trying to get her to giggle i still try to do that right yeah. Yeah. um and and then just the joy of having kids and um watching her learn how to raise kids and watching me how learn how to raise kids and then the same thing of watching her learn how to be in an intimate relationship with our heavenly father and her doing the same thing with me right obviously you're a pastor okay and i, I know that you would think well, a pastor obviously is going to raise his family in fear and nurture of the mm-hmm. Lord and have Bible studies and, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever <laughs> right. pastors do in their home. But, you know, in reality, okay, right. let's get real, right. it's, it's people, I mean, trying to instill in your kids the life of Jesus right. and live that out in home. Right. I mean, so I have to ask um, for forgiveness of my kids often, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Uh, so the the idea of um, uh, we have a 10-year-old son named Max, and um, since he was little, I, I've taught him, I, I would say, hey, what, what, what makes a man? What's, what's, what makes a man? And he says, a man owns his mistakes. And so the idea of I have to model that, like I've got to own my mistake. And um, when I own my mistake, I can step into forgiveness and step into repentance and all those things. And so, yeah, yeah, I think the the silly idea of a pastor's house, man, there might be more shouting sometimes in a pastor's house than there should be in anyone else's house, right? Um, but there's this uh, thing that I learned in seminary that we do every night with the kids. It's the Shema. It's in Deuteronomy 6. It says, as you go about, as you're out doing your work and leaving and going, coming and, and uh and in your everyday life, teach your kids to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and your mind. And Jesus says, you've heard this great commandment and speaks of it. But I, um, every night when I put the kids to bed, since they were infants, I ask them what's the most important thing in the whole wide world. And they'll repeat back, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and your mind. And uh, I even told my son this past week, I'm like, okay, I'm okay if you get a tattoo, if as long as it's that, you can get that (laughs) tattoo, right? Let's tattoo that on your heart. Um, But uh, yeah, so it's it's hard. We struggle through it. But if we walk closely and humbly with the Lord, um, he usually puts his favor on it. You talk about walking. And I know one of the things you do is you also spend time in the duck blind. (laughs) You know, is that right? Well, not ducks, but deer. Oh, is it deer blind? Okay. I just gave away the fact that I'm not a hunter. Right, right, right. No, yeah. You were talking about the cold weather this morning and it had me like, oh, I should be out in the woods. No. Um, Yeah, I I love to hunt. Um, It's it's really fun just to sit and be still. My mind's constantly moving. I kind of have one of those minds of too many thoughts, trying to clear the head a little bit and really spend some time with the Lord. Even one of our uh, dear family members in our church um, has told me, hey, uh, I can see you stressing out. You better not talk to me again until you're in the woods. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I I love to be out in the woods, love to hunt. What bugs you most about the church today? Mm. 
Yeah, and and I have to. Uh, the disclaimer would be, man, I'm very grateful for my upbringing. Very grateful for who we are and where we've come from. We pray this over our kids that our ceiling would be their floor, that our finish line would be their starting point. I want to see my kids advance the gospel and walk in more intimate relationships and have the gifts of the Holy Spirit more influential and manifested in their lives than in my own. With that, I'm very grateful for every church in the city of Memphis, but I do think that if we were to walk up to anybody right now and ask them, how do you define church? It would not be anything that Paul or Jesus did or said define church. Jesus said, you know, be known by love. And it's a unique kind of love, agape love. Agape love does not happen naturally in man. And Paul talks about discover, meditate on, see what kind of love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And so that idea of there's this unique love that I have to go to the source and have an intimate relationship with. I think maybe the church today, and there's nothing obviously wrong with salvation, but we've fallen into a salvation-only gospel of baptize, raise hands, and dunk people, and we're missing the best part. The cross isn't the finish line. The cross is, isn't even the point. Walking with God in the cool of the day is what Adam and Eve did. Sin entered the world, they couldn't walk with God in the cool of the day. So God sent his son to fix that problem so that we can walk with God in the cool of the day. And if we focus too much on the cross, we miss the intimate relationship, and thus we miss the point that Jesus died for. And so I I think the church maybe has has gotten lost a little bit in reaching the world, yet not having an intimate time, individual time with the Lord. And Just beyond reading the Bible, I love talking with the Lord and spending time with Him. Um, When I don't, I miss it, right? I I miss Him. And there's this unique thing that happens is i calibrate myself to the lord and then you can calibrate yourself to the lord and those listening can calibrate themselves to the lord then all of a sudden we can trust the holy spirit in every one of us then god reveals what's going on and what we need to be doing you know right just last night i went to bed depressed sometimes you don't know why there's just a, a, a right. like a spirit of oppression or you just yeah. feel down I am coming up on the anniversary that you know i buried my dad a year mm-hmm. ago this month and so i'm reflecting on some of that and I know there's still a grieving process, and there's moments that'll just happen. But right. I've been reading some verses out of Jeremiah and looking at how God is relating to Jeremiah to the people of Judah because he's very displeased. Mm-hmm. He basically said to Jeremiah, even if Moses and Samuel were pleading for me to relent my right. anger, I wouldn't do it. You know, right. and I'm thinking, wow, God must be really mad. You know, right. I, I think. We, we've had this discussion in our church family a lot. We tend to separate God's wrath and grace, but God's wrath is grace and God's grace is wrath. And it's really, really like you could spend a lot of time thinking on that. But ultimately, there's grace happening right now that God doesn't wipe all of us off the planet. But there's also wrath happening right now that we're not sitting in intimate face-to-face setting with him because yeah. we can't and because of sin. And so I think there's this element of... The Lord clarifying what he's doing. I, I believe it's the awake, sleeper concept. Well, well, in the middle of that, as he's talking to Jeremiah, with you, come with me, and you can have this relationship. Yes. So he desires that. And he's talking to Jeremiah. He's yeah. talking to him. Yes. He's, he's interacting with him. And um, I think there's some—I keep having conversations with people in our, our church family and people beyond and uh, even across the nation— there's a shifting taking place. I mean, we could talk about Kanye West. We could talk about some of these others that have, have stepped into 
a relationship with the Lord that looks different from anything maybe that most of us are used to. And there's an incredible documentary that we just watched as a church family called Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2. And it's about the underground church in Iran as the fastest growing church on the planet. They're having attendance problems in the mosque in Iran because so many people are coming to know the Lord. And it's in miraculous ways. And there's no centralized leadership. There's no dogma or um, religious, like, this is what we believe theologically, and there's none of that. It's very much house church driven underground because it has to be. And in this documentary, it talks about a, a couple that leaves Iran, a pastor and his wife that leave Iran, come to the United States for furlough. I mean, they're killing Christians left and right. ISIS is killing Christians left and right in horrible ways in Iran. And um, they're in the United States, and he says, finds his wife crying and says, hey, what's going on? And she said, America's under a satanic lullaby, and I feel myself falling asleep. I have to go back to Iran. And this idea of the lethargic concept of Christianity is much more detrimental to her faith than being beheaded in Iran. So she desires to go back. Um, There's this thing happening in the church, I think across the planet, of... Uh, stop finding these silly arguments and foolish, um, objectional things that, that doesn't have the heartbeat of the Lord in it. And if we spend intimate times with the Lord, we enjoy the relationship. And when I enjoy the relationship, I have to talk about it. When I have to talk about it, his love permeates throughout. Yes. And so we tell our church family the way to change nations is in intimate moments with the Lord. You know, I, I was reflecting on the life of Samuel Lamb. I don't know if you know who Samuel Lamb uh, I've heard his name. He was a house church pastor in the Guangzhou Providence mm-hmm. of China. Mm-hmm. Incredible story. And I've actually seen video of some of our, when I was a missionary with uh, Transworld Radio, some of our staff actually went and visited you oh, know wow. his church and took video he just had in this like three-story building there was a little corner half the size of this room which you know this room is mm-hmm. not very big right. he had a cot and a little cover that went around this cot area and that was his room okay mm-hmm. members of his church would hand sew hymnals together they would fill this place up with people come you know mm-hmm. to to worship and he would have like seven or eight services yeah he went to prison twice two 10-year prisons but every time they w- he would go to jail his church would increase right, right you know yep and so we have a a rainstorm here on sunday morning and we, <laughs> yep. i can't go to church right. today you know right i think we speak of persecution in weird ways um in 313 constantine passed a law that said uh it, you can't persecute christians religious tolerance act and the unique thing is Jesus and James, who's the James is actually the first writing in the New Testament. It's the oldest writing in the New Testament. James, who's the half brother of Jesus, half brother because Joseph didn't contribute with Mary, right? And so, like this idea of the closest person to Jesus's upbringing says, "Hey, we should embrace these things." And Jesus talks about embracing suffering and persecution. I think persecution cleans, and when there's no persecution. We have to do a lot of things to purify our hearts and, and walk by faith. And, um, I, of course, I don't want bad things to happen. I wouldn't pray those things upon me. But I, I, I do want a faith that's refined. I do want a faith that's purified. And so for us to look around the country today and and talk about some of these consumer concepts or even lethargic, sleepy concepts in Christianity, the Scripture talks about it. Awake, O sleeper, it's time to rise up, it's time to awake, and there is an awakening taking place. 
of people who desire intimate relationship with the Lord. And no, nothing against, but it's not salvation-only theology. It's desiring the relationship. Paul says in um, the end of the First Corinthians letter, um, in 16, he, he says, for those who have rejected God, anathema. And anathema means it's this divine kind of uh, curse. But you've said no to God, so you're separated from him kind of thing. But then there's a play on words. And the word is right after that, maranatha. And theologians have kind of argued there's a way to define how you're supposed to pronounce that. There's three different definitions if you pronounce it certain ways. Yeah. So if you say it one way, it means the Lord has come, Emmanuel. If you say it another way, it means the Lord is returning, the rider of the white horse. And then if you say it a third way, it says, come Lord Jesus. But Paul didn't say how to say it. And we think, most theologians think, that he did it on purpose because the Lord has come, he is coming, and Lord, come Lord Jesus. <laughs> so when the church starts to explode, you have all these Gentiles and Jews interacting and you can no longer greet one another with shalom because the Gentiles didn't know it. So we know we have history of the early church using that as a greeting, Maranatha, to encourage one another, don't forget, he's coming back. He's come, come Lord Jesus. And in, our, in Iran right now, that is the kind of wink, wink, nod, nod statement. If you say Maranatha, people know that you're a believer in Jesus. And it's not like this world is horrible. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Lord, get me out of here. It's I know how good the relationship is with him, and I know who he is. So, Lord, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Why is it, Ryan, that most of us don't experience the type of intimacy you're talking about? So we've set it up. We've set it up to... Um, and it's like I'm throwing stones. I'm not throwing stones, but we've set it up to where we make it primary 90 minutes on a Sunday. Um, and we attend, um, the body of Christ is not fully formed. It's one big mouthpiece and a whole bunch of little ears kind of thing. And, um, in that this, we've kind of fixed Christianity in this system to where it happens in this one place on Sunday mornings. And then I try to sprinkle it in throughout the rest of my life. We've even messed up how we interact with coming to know the Lord. We say, you've got to respond, then we'll tell you belong, and maybe along the way we'll teach you how to pause and listen to God, when it's probably fully reversed. If I pause and I listen to the Lord, He speaks into me His grace and His pace. And in that, what does He say? I'm a child of the King, an heir to the throne, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And so I belong. And uh, when my wife tells me I look good and I'm walking out, the, I walk with a little high step, right? Yeah. Um, when the Lord tells me I'm his and gives me gifts, I walk with confidence. And in that, I respond. And I, and I can speak with confidence how good he is. I can speak with confidence that he does heal. He does speak. He does miraculous things. And that he is coming back. And in that, there is this unique love that's overflowing in me. Yes. And so when we mess up simple things like pews and pulpits, we end up in cataclysmic separation concept of there's those who walk with the Lord and those who don't, and the Lord's just wanting to walk with everyone. Let's go back to this pause you talked about. I remember when I was in Bible college reading through Psalms mm-hmm. and uh, in the class I was in, and we every now and then we'd come across this word, Selah. Mm-hmm. And I remember the professor saying, and I don't even remember all the details, but this is a pause. Right. And Psalms is very musical, mm-hmm. you know, and there are pauses, right. music for a time to reflect or a time to to meditate on. Yeah. Give us a so, definition of this. So the I love all three. 
Um, it's either a soloist, like the great guitar solo plays now, or it's either trumpeters take a breath because you've been blowing and you need a breath, or the one that most think of, of this big meditation concept. And I think it could be all three. It could be this idea of sitting before the Lord and not doing anything. It's, think, it's like be still and know that I'm God. Be still, yeah. Be still yeah. and know that I'm God. I love that passage because it says this. He quakes the mountains. He makes them down to rubble. And if you've ever been at a football game and seen a really large hit, everybody goes, ooh. It's like the Lord's flexing his muscles and saying, be still. And we say, yes, I know you're God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Right? <laughs> But there's other moments where he says he leads us beside still waters, right? And there's a, so God does it in unique ways. Um, that word selah to me means if I, frankly, if I shut up and listen, I have to surrender what my opinion is. I say it this way. God made every human being to be able to go, be, go to bed at night. He could have given us energizer batteries where we never had to sleep. <laughs> yeah. But if I believe in God or if I'm an atheist and hate God, I still have to lay my head on my pillow and fall asleep. God doesn't. And in that very act, I'm saying I'm not and he is. And when I pause and choose to sit still before the Lord, I'm surrendering, even if it's in a small way. And then it gives God space to pour out grace. And in that, he starts to speak who I am and who he is. And sitting in a room with 2,000 other people listening to one man talk can be a version of pausing, and God uses it. But the most powerful pause is when I don't have anything, any agenda. I haven't chosen which church to go to, what to wear, and what pastor I'm going to speak to. I have to sit with my own agenda laid aside in the stillness and the quiet and let God speak. Um, I think it's funny. We can even mess up reading Scripture. God's trying to speak, and I try to read a psalm, and he's saying, no, I want to talk to you. I can talk to you through that, but i got something else I want to say. We can even get in religious mindsets of playing worship music and the Lord saying, hey, put that aside for a minute. I want to tell you something. Yeah. Um, And for us to surrender and embrace surrender, um, it brings about intimacy. We say this, every choice you make today and those that are listening today, every choice you make today to turn right or left, quit the job or start a new one, it's either a choice of less intimacy with the Father or greater intimacy. The Lord has always given us forks in the road to walk into greater intimacy with Him or less. How does someone experience Salem, Memphis? So, yeah, we're a unique church. It's a church very different from anything I've ever been brought up in. Um, we have a website, www.salahmemphis.com. Um, Why don't you spell that? S-E-L-A-H memphis.com. And we really don't put a ton out there. There's a blog and some of that stuff on the website, but we're highly relational, right? Like if I put things on Word that the Lord might change tomorrow, right? And so we're highly relational. So there's a way to get in contact with us, and, and we can talk and walk through. But, yeah, we gather. Um, we're a network of house churches, and we gather in a couple different houses across the town on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday nights, we have a prayer gathering for our family. 
and we do meals together. And then once a month, we have large group gatherings where we bring both houses together at a place somewhere in town. Do people raise their eyebrows at you and think, what is Ryan doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've doing? got a this weird is, cult going this is on. This kind of strange. Yeah, you start drinking the Kool-Aid and develop a compound kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, there's there's a lot because, as you know, man, I've got, I've got a lot of friends in the city of Memphis um, and... Uh, it's been humbling. It's been humbling to have conversations because, like I said, there's an awakening happening. Um, not just awakening to house church, but awakening to the Lord wanting something greater for everyone. And um, I think that if we look at church today, one, Christians are going to have a viewpoint of church that probably isn't what the Lord said, not because of anything that they're choosing, but because of just the state that it's in. And then two, non-believers have a viewpoint of church and so I think the Lord's saying, hey, it's time, let's, let's change things up a little bit. And ultimately, what we say is return to the original design. You take a carpenter and tell him to cut 100 pieces at 10 feet. If he doesn't measure every piece, you know what I would do? I, I'd just cut the first one and then draw a line and draw a line and draw a line. Well, the tip of a pencil is a millimeter, right? After 100 pieces, I don't have a 10-foot board anymore. I've been cutting and cutting and cutting and cutting, and I no longer have that. Because I've just created a new standard. But if we go back to the original standard, the 10-foot mark, the original design, it's the reason why we say, let's just look simply at what they did in Acts. They gathered in one another's homes, they met each other's needs, and they met the needs of the community. And they didn't forsake assembling together to pray and worship. But the primary focus was living life together and spending intimate time with the Lord. The simplicity of that seems too easy and so people kind of look at me like hey what are you doing right what are you i'm like hey i'm very grateful for everything that i've come from and whatever other people are doing this is the thing the lord's called us to and we're seeing so much fruit from it so much fruit Ryan, if those listening want to discover more about Salem Memphis, maybe have a cup of coffee with you, yep. what should they do? Yeah, so you can go to SalemMemphis.com slash family, or you can just go to the regular website, SalemMemphis.com. But the slash family concept is basically sends me an email and says, hey, let's get coffee, let's hang out, let's talk. We love to talk to people about church. We love to talk to see what the Lord's doing. It's different. We tell people you can't hide, right? You can't hide. And it's the best part about it is it's a place to be fully known and fully loved all at the same time. It's kind of like doing laundry together. We find a dirty spot on somebody else's jeans, and you're like, hey, how'd you get that out? Like we straight, we, that's what we do on Sunday mornings. We, we read God's Word together. We pray. We see God do some incredible things in our kids and in our, in our neighbors. It's a unique concept. I don't want to build the church. I just want to follow Jesus, and I want Him to build it. Ryan Mullins, thank you for stopping by. We're going to have to say goodbye. Come back sometime. Absolutely. Let's Definitely. Do it. Open invitation. Yeah. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. Our guest today is Pastor Ryan Mullins of Salem, Memphis. You can go to the website, SalemMemphis.com, get more details. We're going to say goodbye on that. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.